0: Law as Love. One of the most amusing scenes in Anglo-Jewish history occurred on the 14th of October 1663. A mere seven years had passed since Oliver Cromwell had found no legal bar to Jews living in England, hence the so-called Return of Jews, in 1656. A small synagogue was opened in Creechurch Lane in the city of London. Forerunner, of Bevis Marks, that was opened in 1701, the oldest still extant place of Jewish worship in Britain. It was then that the famous diarist Samuel Pepys decided to pay a visit to this new curiosity, to see how Jews conducted themselves at prayer. What he saw amazed and scandalized him, as chance or providence had it, the day of his visit turned out to be Simchat Torah, This is how he described what he saw. And at on, their laws that they take out of the press, in other words, out of the ark, are carried by several men, four or five, several burdens in all, and they do relieve one another, and when it, whether it is that everyone desires to have the carrying of it, I can't tell. Thus they carried it round about the room while such a service is singing. But Lord, to see the disorder, laughing, sporting, and no attention but confusion in all their service, more like brutes than people knowing the true God, would make a man forswear ever seeing them more. And indeed, I never did see so much or could have imagined there had been any religion in the whole world so absurdly performed as this. In other words, this was not the kind of behavior he was used to in a house of worship. There is something unique about the relationship of Jews to the Torah, the way we stand in its presence as if it were a king, dance with it as if it were a bride, listen to it, telling our story, and study it as we say in our prayers as our life and the length of our days. There are a few more poignant lines of prayer, than the one contained in a poem said at Nehila at the end of Yom Kippur, Ein shiur rak torah nothing remains after the destruction of the temple and the loss of the land, but this Torah, a book, a scroll, was all that stood between Jews and despair. What non-Jews and sometimes even Jews fail to appreciate is how in Judaism Torah represents law as love, and love as law. Torah is not just revealed legislation as Moses Mendelssohn described it in the 18th century. It represents God's faith in our ancestors that he entrusted them with the creation of a society that would become a home for his presence and an example to the world. One of the keys as to how this worked is contained in the Pasha of Bermidbah, always read before Shavuot, Zman Matan toratenu the commemoration of the giving of the Torah. This reminds us how central the idea of Midbar, the desert, the wilderness, no man's land, is to Judaism. It is Midbar, wilderness, that gives our Parsha and the book as a whole its name. And it was Midbar, in the desert, that the Israelites made a covenant with God and received the Torah. It is the desert that provides the setting for four of the five books of the Torah and it was there that the Israelites experienced their most intimate contact with God who sent the water from a rock, manna from heaven and surrounded them with clouds of glory. What story is being told here? What's the significance of Midbar? The Torah is telling us three things fundamental to Jewish identity. First is the unique phenomenon that in Judaism, the law preceded the land. For every other nation in history, the reverse was the case. First came the land, then human settlements, small groups, then villages, towns, and cities. Then came the forms of order and governance and the legal system. In other words, first the land, then the law. The fact that in Judaism, the Torah was given by Midbar in the desert before they even entered the land meant that uniquely Jews and Judaism were able to survive their identity intact, even in exile. Because the law came before the land, even when Jews lost the land, they still had the law. That is the first idea. Second, there's a tantalizing connection between Midbar, wilderness, and Davar, word, where other nations found God's in nature, the rain, the earth, fertility, the seasons of the agricultural year, Jews discovered God in transcendence, beyond nature, a God who couldn't be seen but rather heard. In the desert, there is no nature. Instead there's emptiness and silence, a silence in which one can hear the unearthly voice of the one beyond the world. As Edmund Yabes put it, the word cannot dwell except in the silence of other words. To speak accordingly is to lean on a metaphor of the desert. In the silence of the desert, Israel became the people for whom the primary religious experience wasn't seeing but listening and hearing, Shema Israel, The God of Israel revealed himself in speech. Judaism is a religion of holy words in which the most sacred object is a book, a scroll, a text third and surely the most remarkable is the interpretation the prophets gave to those formative years in which the Israelites having left Egypt and not yet entered the land were alone in the desert with God. Hosea predicting a second exodus says in God's name I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her there she will respond as in the days of her youth as in the day she came out of Egypt. Jeremiah says in God's word, name, I remember the devotion of your youth, Avad how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. Hashirim, the Song of Songs, contains the line, who is this coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? In other words, what's common to each of these texts is the idea of of the desert as a honeymoon, in which God and the people had imagined as bridegroom and bride were alone together, consummating their union in love. To be sure, in the Torah itself we see the Israelites as a recalcitrant, obstinate people, often complaining and rebelling against God. Yet the prophets, in retrospect, saw things differently. The wilderness was a kind of yichud, an alone togetherness in which the people and God bonded in love. Most instructive in this context is the work of the anthropologist Arnold von Gennep, who focused our attention on the importance of what he called rites of passage. Societies develop rituals to mark the transition from one state to the next, from childhood to adulthood, for example, or from being single to being married. And they involve three stages – The first is separation, a symbolic break with the past. The last is incorporation, re-entering society with a new identity. But between the two comes the crucial stage of transition, when having cast off one identity but not yet donned another, you are remade, reborn, refashioned. Von Gennep used the term liminal from the Latin word for threshold To describe this transitional state when you're in a kind of no man's land between the old and the new and that is what the midbar the wilderness signifies for israel the liminal space between slavery and freedom past and future exile and return egypt and the promised land the desert was the space that made transition and transformation possible there in no man's land the israelites alone with god and with one another could cast off one identity and assume another. There they could be reborn, no longer slaves to Pharaoh, instead servants of God summoned to become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Seeing the wilderness as the space between helps us also understand the connection between the Israelites in the days of Moses and the ancestor whose name they bore, for it was Jacob, Israel, among the patriarchs who had his most intense experiences of God in liminal space between the place he was leaving and the one he was traveling to alone and at night. It was there fleeing from his brother Esau but not yet arrived at the house of Laban that he saw the vision of a ladder stretching from earth to heaven with angels ascending and descending and there on his return that he fought with a stranger from night until dawn and was given the name Israel. These episodes can now be seen to be prefigurations of what would later happen to his descendants. In other words, the acts of the fathers are a sign of what would later happen to the children. The desert thus became the birthplace of a wholly new relationship between God and humankind, a relationship built on covenant, speech, and love as concretized in the Torah. Distant from the great centers of civilization, a people found themselves alone with God and there consummated a bond that neither exile nor tragedy could break. That is the moral truth at the beating heart of our faith, that it's not power or politics that link us to God, but love. Joy in the celebration of that love led King David to leap and dance when the ark was brought into Jerusalem, earning the disapproval of King Saul's daughter and his wife, Michal. And many centuries later, led the Anglo Jews of Creechurch Lane to dance on Simchat Torah to the disapproval of Samuel Pepys. When love defeats dignity, faith is alive and well.